0: Stay tuned for Love Talk with Evelyn and Van Davison. Love Talking Today with Jeremy Story about godly values, Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving.
1: Thank you, Gavin. We are in studio today here at the Bridge, today's Christian Talk broadcasting out of Austin, Texas. And we've got a very special program planned today as we look toward Thanksgiving. And I have a oh a wonderful, sweetheart, loving, gentle gentleman with me today, Mr. Van Davison.
2: Thanks. Thanks. I don't get that kind of introduction in many places. little many places.
1: Yeah. Is this a little, this is a small studio, but I'll tell you what, our world out there is big, Van. Yeah. It is big. How are things going with you? Wonderful. Are they really? I'm
2: walking on the green side of the grass.
1: <laughs> well, we uh, have a very special guest with us today. We're going to be talking about some things. What is our real rope of hope, Van? What is it that we hang on to?
2: Jesus Christ. That's
1: right. He is our rope of hope. And we um, we want to talk about the presence of the love of Lord Jesus and the power of His Spirit. Uh, as we begin to prepare for Thanksgiving and give thanks for the things that He has blessed our lives with, and I guess my greatest blessing is
2: you. Well, my, likewise. You think that, huh? Yep. And our
1: boys, uh, and our grandchildren. Uh,
2: yep, yep. And I great- thank God for them every night.
1: Every night, and the great grandchildren.
2: Yep, we got five of them.
1: Yeah. Well. Why don't you introduce our guest today? And I know he is a father of seven children. I know that about him.
2: You're, you're taking away my uh, I
1: know, but you, you can um, say seven. I was,
2: I was just trying to think uh, <clears throat> what year that was that we first met Jeremy at our little church out at Leander. Mm-hmm. I guess that was the first time we met him.
1: Yeah. Well, introduce him.
2: Okay. Uh, Jeremy, like you say, is a great family man, father of seven children, a national leader in prayer and renewal and changed lives of young people, uh, president of Campus Renewal, which is a national ministry to college students. Uh, he's on the board of directors of the National Day of Prayer, which we appreciate very much. And uh, <clears throat> Jeremy has a history of starting great collegiate prayer ministry movements, Across our nation, he is a firm believer that transforming campuses for Christ means changing our nation in a powerful way. And we're glad to have you, Jeremy.
3: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's an honor and privilege to hang out with you guys.
1: You help us look back to think about the wonderful things that, that have happened uh, in your life and in our life in this great city of Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Leander, out in Williamson County and Travis County, and um, it, it is just a real privilege for us to have you today. And I know you're real busy because things are really popping in the in the collegiate world today. Is that right?
3: Yeah, it keeps me pretty busy for sure. That's absolutely true. In fact, just our our board is meeting starting tomorrow for to paved the way forward for what's next for us. So, yeah.
1: Well, our scripture reference today is blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. It's not just in him, but our trust is the Lord. And, you know, he's like a tree uh, planted by the water, the scriptures tell us. And we, uh, we are so convinced, Jeremy, that the greatest need in America today
3: is a rope of hope. Is a rope of hope.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that.
3: Just, um, you know, <clears throat> meaning the greatest need in America is for people to find their hope in Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that's part of, the, part of the despair we see right now. You were commenting before we started the show that even during the Great Depression and even during uh, World War II uh, from the generation you come from, uh, that you didn't see as much despair or, or anxiety even specifically. And, and I think one of the reasons is, is because one of the things that has happened in our country is, is an increasing shift to uh, a very, very secular mindset that doesn't uh, include God, right, in and, and a larger number of people. And as a result, yeah, you do have uh, more anxiety. I mean, that, that's straight out of Scripture, right, when we're not centering our lives uh, more of us aren't centering our lives on Christ, then you are going to have greater anxiety because as things shift around you, you don't have anything to center your life on except mm-hmm. for the things that are around you. That's so when right. those things shift, then all of a sudden you shift, and that causes anxiety. And I think we're seeing that in our culture presently with the presidential transition.
1: Well, let's talk a little bit. We're going to talk about that today because that is a major factor in thanksgiving. There's a difference between thanksgiving and thanks living. And so many are so disillusioned today. And we're in a, we're in a chasm right now mm-hmm. of leadership. Just the things that are, that are coming down are just very frightening uh, and disturbing. And we need to understand uh, in a better way what it is that God wants us to do and be in this generation. He wants to live. His, his plan for us is get up every morning, look at the front door, and look at that bucket he said, morning by morning, I will give you new measures of mercy and grace. And America needs mercy, right. and we need grace. Absolutely. So let's talk about it. But let's talk about first, let's talk about your family. Okay. I, 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 you know, it just absolutely makes my uh, socks roll up and down to think about the ministry that you have across this nation with young people in college, but with a family of sure. precious children. Tell me about them.
3: I have seven children. Uh, six of them are boys, one of them is a girl, and uh, they are very, very intense. And they've actually had the opportunity to travel all over the nation with me, which has been a lot of fun. We've always been kind of committed, as, even when it's difficult and hard and not as easy, to have them travel with me, When even though I travel a lot of places. Yes. So we've they've had an opportunity, really, to be in a lot of different places. That's one of the reasons why we've homeschooled them, mm-hmm. uh, is because... Uh, we really want them to be able to engage and be with, be together as a family. Not so much as a rebellion against pulling them out of society because we really think that we need to have light in society. Mm-hmm. It's more about us being able to be together as a family as I travel and we have kind of an unusual lifestyle. So that's why we've homeschooled them. But we love them. Great kids and, uh, learned a lot from those kids. And in terms of Thanksgiving and th- Thanksgiving, you know, we were even talking to one of them last night about, you know, thanks, being thankful is the essence of, of looking to what you have rather than what you don't have, right? Right. And, and, uh, and being grateful for what you have rather than being upset about whatever you don't have. And, and, and I think really that there's a reason why God tells us over and over again to live lives of being thankful. And, and then when we present even requests to God in prayer, this word thanksgiving is always mixed with prayer, right, mm-hmm. right. continually. And I, I think it's because of, you look in Hebrews, it says that faith is believing that God exists, but it's mm-hmm. not just that. It actually says it's believing that God exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. There's an and there. And and so the part of faith is trusting that God is good and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. So the way you know that is that you begin to acknowledge when good things come into your life, whatever it may be, a hardship that's turned into something good or just something that's outright good, that you recognize the source of that. And when we begin to believe that it's luck or that it's happenstance or circumstantial things, then we're not being thankful. Thankful is attributing the good things in our life to the author of those good things, in essence. That's really what it is. It's really simple. And when you do that, then we get back to what you first started talking about, which is your life begins to be centered on something other than yourself or external circumstances, a God that is bringing the good things into your life. And that's what thankfulness does, is it brings reminder of God being in control and being the author of all good things in our life. Yeah.
1: Well, I, you know, you, you have your hand on the pulse rate of kids across this nation. And you recently ran uh, in a political campaign for uh, position nine for the Austin Community College Board of Trustees. How did that work out for you? Um, what did you
3: learn from that? I learned a lot. You know, first off, I, I have a real passion, not just for college students, but also teaching people how to engage with the culture around them in a way that isn't re- withdrawal, in a way that isn't just going to be angry, but a way that we're, as believers, we can be assets and bring the kingdom so that we're uncompromising, but that yet we can be embedded in culture but not compromised by the culture. And so I wanted to do that myself too, which was, uh, I have a degree in political science from the University of Texas, and so I ran for Austin Community College. We got about about 30,000 votes in Austin, which is great. It's exciting. Except that my opponents got more. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, um, I think one of the things that was interesting is when I ran, because I have a perception that there is no division between the sacred and the secular, and you have this sort of spiritual world that should be pushed away, I just live who I am. I don't hide that. I don't... But I didn't also at the same time try to make my faith the reason why you should vote for me. I just said, here are the reasons why ACC needs to be improved. Here's why I believe that. And uh, here's what we're going to do about it. And what was interesting was that many of my opponents in in the city of Austin, including, say, like the Austin Chronicle and others just throughout Mm -hmm. the city, made my faith an issue. They were the ones that were bringing up my faith again and again and again. Like
1: it's a negative. Right,
3: exactly. And so I I just finally said, well, okay, if we want to make my faith an issue, then let's make it an issue. And I started talking about it. Mm -hmm. So it gave me an opportunity to to show them and other people, you know, that, that Christians aren't. The, their, their basic understanding or thought was, well, because he's a strong outspoken believer, he must be running for this office with some ulterior motive to convert wow. everyone. And, and that's just, you know, bigotry and and, and discrimination. And it gave, gave a good opportunity, I think, in our city to have a conversation about uh, – that people of faith can be great assets in all aspects of culture, and it isn't just a spiritual realm that we should be relegated to and that we only have contributions to make in a spiritual way, but we can make those contributions in real life world around us. And I think that's the conversation that happened. I wish I had won, of course, but uh, you know <laughs> but what you the, learned, the thing I is? Think. Yeah, I think that a lot of people of in education. Austin, it says that, uh, you know, I, I think I was clearly the most qualified person in terms of experience. Yes. Um, I, I think it says that people are concerned about people of faith, which is alarming, quite but honestly.
0: It, it
1: is. It, it also it,
3: says the church isn't willing to mobilize to engage in the culture sometimes, which is also alarming. A dual trend that's kind of scary.
1: And it's misleading. <laughs> right. It is so misleading to young people. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to talk about in depth today Um Jeremy is. Uh, we are in serious trouble in this nation. We are in very serious trouble. That we would, you know, we have a means of communication today that we've never had in history. And the moment something happens, it's all over the world.
3: Everybody knows it, right? Instant. I, I seconds.
1: Yes, I. When we had in 2013, when we were about, we fought the big fight for life with the legislature. We had all the move-in people come in from Chicago and all that. Um, I uh, spoke to the homeschoolers and the college kids down in the open rotunda, and we we were videotaping. I did 40 hours of that. And about the time my my thing was stand, S-T-A-N-D, and the S stood for Seek God. You know, that's a lifestyle, Seek God. And about the time I started that I heard a noise behind me and I turned around and looked. You know, I was sitting I was standing on a box in the middle of a round circle, T V in front, people around me. And so I gradually looked behind me because I heard this noise. There were three ladies, three girls that were dressed like hookers. And there were six D P S people trying to haul them out. And they were hollering, Heil Hitler, hail Satan. Huh. While I was trying to give a message of encouragement, and that's what they wanted me to do. Right. Good news. Bring them some good news.
3: Right.
4: I want
1: to tell you, that woke me up. My world mm-hmm. woke up that
4: day. Absolutely.
1: It yeah. did. I just had not seen that. Of course, these were high school or college kids. Sure. I want us to talk today a little bit about what you see and where we're going with what it is that we have and how God can use us in a time like this. Let's take our break, hear from some of our good sponsors. We'll be back with Love Talk and Jeremy's story right after this.
5: Call 444-5555. That's 444-5555. Ellis and Fixing your auto problems and needs with a happy face and the best professional touch.
7: They provide sales and service on all major brands from professionals you can trust. So big jobs or little jobs, it doesn't matter. Call CASA at 334-7300.
3: Stay tuned for Love Talk with Evelyn and Van Davison. Love Talk today with Jeremy's story about godly values Thanksgiving for being
1: Welcome back to Love Talk. We are in studio here, Texas Christian Talk. Today's Christian Talk in Austin, Texas, The Bridge. And uh, we have uh, oh, a very special friend with us today, Van. Uh, my sweet husband's here, and he's helping me keep time, right? Yep. You, you want, well, I want all, always help. Oh, yeah, you help. <laughs> and we have Jeremy Story, who is a longtime friend. And, um, Jeremy, we've been talking about uh, where we are in our nation right now. Uh, we are in serious trouble. Mm-hmm. And we won't talk about some of the things that are happening. But bring us give us a a viewpoint of how this nation has wandered so far from what our founding fathers mm-hmm. uh, established to be. It has changed. And it's changed since World War Two. Is that right?
3: Yeah, I mean pretty significantly you had you've had a shift in our country. We're gonna talk about campuses in a minute and I can talk about the shift there, but you've had a shift really to a a, a a country that has pushed faith over to the side and, and kind of created, said, oh, this is fine, you can have it, but it needs to be in a very private atmosphere in a church or something, something you might do in your family, but not, certainly not something that's in the public sphere in any way, shape, or form. And I think that that divorcing of, of, of policy from values, divorcing of a public life from any sort of uh, moral foundation has has, has caused uh, a very different shift in our country. I, I would say, though, that one of the things we have to realize at the church is that that has happened. And I think part of the problem is, is that many churches, or the, the body of Christ as a whole, oftentimes are, are not recognizing that. and And we're spending time, you know, uh, saying Okay, this is the way it, it should be. Um, and we're not teaching people how to engage culture for where it is right now. And I don't mean shifting our doctrine or changing our basic beliefs about Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying how do we be absolutely adamant about who we are and what we believe, but yet how to do that in a culture that isn't predominantly Christian, which right now we don't live in a culture that's predominantly Christian And we can either choose to just say, okay, we're going to separate from that culture and we're going to be our own thing. Uh, We can choose to be angry at that culture and fight against it, culture war type theory. Or we can find a way to be invading and embedding ourselves in that culture to bring light to that culture. My perspective, and I'll give away my bias, is that third option is the best one. Um, That doesn't mean you embrace the beliefs of that culture, but it means that you begin to lead. And part of the reason why we have where we are today is because we – abdicated that leadership as the church. And so I often look not to everyone else out there, but I look to the believers. And the more that believers have abdicated leadership in different aspects of our culture, we see natural darkness come up, and the more that we've acquiesced and we've said, "Oh, well, you know, we're going to be uh, over here in our separate sphere," and we've separated those two things, the more we see the natural result, which is a shift away from from the values that we would espouse. And so, I think the solution, in a lot of ways, is for us to be uh, lean to be embedding ourselves in culture and to be bringing Christ's light to that culture. Uh, the more we just rebel against it and get angry, it's not going to solve the problem. The more we uh, just sort of try to create our own little enclaves, uh, little holiness sects, or whatever you want to call it, uh, little little, little uh, enclaves, then I think uh, that's not the solution either because that doesn't bring the light into the darkness, right? Jesus' solution was to invade and embed God himself in the midst of that darkness, and I think it should be our solution too.
1: Well, you know, Jeremy, um, we look back at, you know, Van and I do, and uh, we see how Things have changed so drastically since uh, we grew up. And it it is frightening to people of our age to think that, you know, we've worked all these years. We've invested Mm -hmm. in in, in our nation. uh, And yet we're seeing this great war between a conservative point of view of who God is Mm -hmm. and a liberal point of view. And that basically, I think, is the war that's going on right now. It is a war not just with young people Uh, But just in the family itself, that there is so much division uh, between the conservative belief that God is real, he loves you, he has a plan for your life. But that plan includes being moral, being secure in who you are. Uh, And then the other side is, you know, all things are open. Right. Uh, When we think about that... That we have to look at some of the reasons, the major major issues that we're looking at today.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And one of those is life. Sure, absolutely. Life. How do you see that playing itself out in, in the lives of the college students that you work with? I'm not yes. talking about, you know, life of the unborn. Or that's part of it.
3: But just life in general. Sure. One thing I just want to go back to what we were talking about, because I think it's real important what you were just saying you know we see we're seeing this change and we and we're desiring uh i think many of us to see the next generation or like even my kids um be able to follow god and be able to mm-hmm. and and i think the desire is there but the know-how of how to do that isn't and so uh you know we're not teaching kids how i think more and more people are but we need to be teaching the next generation how to engage with that so in other words It's one thing just to say, well, uh, don't do this or don't do that or whatever, but it's another thing to say, okay, when you're faced with media, because you're going to be faced with it. There's no way – you know, when you're faced with TV or when you're faced with you're walking in the mall or when you're faced with radio or uh, movies or whatever it may be, how do you engage with that in a way that will be Christ-honoring? How do you parse that? How do you actually watch – like I've I've trained my kids – whether it's a commercial, whether it's a TV show or a movie, to actually parse what's the underlying message of that entertainment, of that music. We have to teach them how to look at that and how to engage with it. It's not simply good enough to say, well, this is good things and these are bad things. Avoid the bad things. Go to the good things. Yeah, that's important. They need to understand good from bad. But they also need to understand how to to process that which is coming at them. And so when we train people, say, at our home or in our churches, kids, youth, uh, college students, you know, don't do this, do this. These are the wrong things these are the right things. But then we fail to teach them how to engage with a culture that they are going to encounter. It's going to happen. I mean, you, you just, <laughs> you can't live in a closet, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, and how do they begin to think about those things? And how do they process those things rather than absorb them? And how do they engage with those things to to show the truth in the midst of it? That's the kind of philosophy we have to have. And I think when, uh, when I was growing up, a lot of what I heard out of the church was sort of like, well, oh, these are the things you should do. These are the things you shouldn't do. These are the things you avoid. Well, that's not going to do it. Uh, right. that's, that's part of the picture, but that's, that's not right. the whole picture. And I just think that's really important. So we talk about life, you know, maybe, so how do you engage with that? So I, I teach our kids, you know, okay, here's what people are saying. Here's why that might not be true. Here's what we can begin – how can we think about that? And we train them how to think and how to engage with things as they come at them. And so in the issue of life on campus – you know, one thing that's interesting about life, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll toss it back to you. This is actually an area of hope. We've been talking about some tough things. but. I think – and I was just telling my wife this literally last night we were talking about this. I believe that the issue of life and versus abortion and mm-hmm. whether we kill off our, our unborn, um, I think that this is an issue that history very soon will look back on the same way we look at slavery today. I think that people will look back on it. At the time of the issue of segregation or slavery, whichever one, whether you're looking in the 60s, 50s, or even further back into slavery in the 1800s and before – There were people on both sides of the issues who were Christians, believe it or not. Some were advocating for it, some who weren't. But looking at it now, pretty much everybody goes, that's a really, really bad thing. I believe that that's what we're going to see with abortion. We're seeing the number of abortions decrease in our country. Of all varieties of people, whether liberal or conservative, we're seeing the number of abortion clinics diminish. We're seeing the, the funding of it go down. I believe more and more people are realizing this is an atrocity, and it's not a political issue. We turned it to this politic yes. thing, but in actually, actuality, it's just a, a, life. Life, a human rights issue. And I think more and more people are realizing that. And so um, life is actually one of the issues that I think we, we see uh, hope for in a lot of ways. Even on campuses, more and more people are are, are are turning away from the idea that you should just be able to have abortion on demand. Even people that are quote pro choice are mm-hmm. kind of tempering that. Because it, it, it just doesn't make sense. The more that science advances and we can see uh, what's going on in the womb, the less people are of the beliefs that I saw they were in the 80s even and in the 90s. And you're seeing more uh, leaning in the direction of life.
1: Well, you know, I think part of that picture has changed, as you as you say, Jeremy, in that when it – and we've known this a long time in the life movement – that. Uh, with the harvest of unborn uh, babies, cells and things, that those are not treated well but are even put on the board of uh, uh, bidding, you know, to be used for things. And uh, when that hit the fan last year, I think people really began to work uh, uh, wake up to realize the real sorrow mm-hmm. that comes out of this horror in our nation Absolutely. and beginning to look at it differently. We've seen a lot of changes as a result of the 2013 bills that we passed at the the legislature. But, you know, when you look at it from a young person's point of view, uh, we have a a society today that that looks at things like, I deserve this. Right. I deserve this.
3: Yeah,
4: absolutely.
1: Uh, How do you see that being played out? Uh, We're (coughs) seeing it on television. Mm-hmm. You know, hear these kids, Ben mentioned the whining and the crying. You know, there are even some state legislators that are bringing back funds because they're not teaching the right. I mean, right. this is a war going sure, on. Sure, absolutely. In your field.
3: Right, absolutely. You, you know, millennials, which is the generation you're describing, that's one of the things I've noticed. You, I've had the opportunity to work with a variety of ge- different generations of students at this point and watching how they interact. The, the most recent generation, right, the millennials do have to tend to have tend to have a more of an entitlement perspective. I'm owed this. There shouldn't be a cost to anything. Everybody's a winner. And, and I think here's the interesting thing, though. You can say whatever you want in the moment, right, in terms of uh, whether something's true or not. You know, there is no consequence to aborting tons of babies. Or uh, you can do whatever you want sexually and nothing's going to happen. It's just no, there is no victims here. You can say that in the moment. But what is interesting about time, <laughs> what's interesting about time is time is the ultimate decider, right? Because it is. You can say there's no cost to this. But as time goes on and you experience the cost, like we have, you mentioned, with abortion, or now we go to campuses and say, well, everyone's, you know, everyone should get free this or that or whatever. What, what I see happening more and more is a shift to a generation that sees that cost. Uh, you know, the 10-year-olds, the 14-year-olds, even MTV said recently, mm-hmm. well, a year ago, that they believe this next generation. This is MTV. They're direct, they're, mm-hmm. They said that, that should be called the founders because they are seeing this pain, this cost that no one said was gonna really going to be there, and they want to do something about it to shift towards a new perspective. So I think there's possible hope there, yes. but it's coming from the experience of the costs. That people said wasn't there, but people are experiencing uh, very, very really in their you life. You know
1: that, that is an axiom of life. It's like an automobile. You know, you can only run it so far without without fuel. Right. And yeah. if you don't, and hope is our fuel, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. You can say you know we can say what we want to, but hope is is a ladder uh, that brings us into the very presence of God as we mm-hmm. pray and and seek Him. Uh, but there are some really tough things going on out there. Absolutely. Really uh, I want tough. us to talk about media when we come back. Sure. And what um, the security that we have in this nation, not in the Lord Jesus, right. but in our government right after this. Stay with us for Love Talk.
5: Call 444-5555. That's 444-5555. Ellis and Fixing your auto problems and needs with a happy face and the best professional touch.
0: Day after day, we are constantly hearing about how bad everything is. Isn't it about time to hear about what's right and good? Isn't it time for some good news? If your answers are yes, then you need the Good News Journal. The Good News Journal is published by KTXW's own Evelyn Davidson. The Good News Journal is an inspirational, patriotic journal published bi-monthly to bring you God's good news. The Good News Journal, 249-6535, or read it online at thegoodnewsjournal.net.
7: George Christensen and his family at Casa Mechanical Services are longtime friends and sponsors for Love Talk, Love Walk. So big jobs or little jobs, it doesn't matter. Call CASA at 334-7300.
3: Stay tuned for Love Talk with Evelyn and Van Davison. Love talking today
0: with Jeremy's story about godly values. Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving.
1: Thank you, Gavin. We are in the city and we want to say, Van, thank you to our sponsors that uh, make it possible for us to be here. That means you don't have to worry at the end of the month. What? Can I pay the bill? Is that what you say? Can we pay the bill? You know, we, uh, we are talking today with our good friend Jeremy Story. And, and Jeremy, um, y- you have really got footprints uh, on our hearts. But across this nation as well with college young people as you uh, work with in the ministry that you have. And we've been talking about how we are at this particular time in our nation. We've talked about how we got here. How we got here. Hmm. Uh, the shock of it is so horrific that uh, I think people, in general, the ones that I've talked to, and mostly my friends are all Christians, and you know they're conservatives. Uh, they just don't know what to do at this
3: point. Yeah, I mean, here's what I see happening. When you think of even historical trends, you talked about from the 50s to the 70s. We were talking about that off air, and. Um, and you, you saw in the 60s this shifting of invention of birth control, which allowed sexuality to be separated from uh, conception, and then you can do whatever you want, and then you had the hippie movement, and you had a variety of just disintegrating of some key things we thought. Well, But then in the 70s, you have a reaction to that called the Jesus movement, right? Which is a lot of these hippies are finding uh, – and people that were immersed in that lifestyle, free love, found that this was providing emptiness. And you had this massive up- uprising. And the point – Jesus ends up on the front cover of Time, right? Yeah. And so – I see us doing a similar thing today, uh, I hope. We're either going to head one direction. We're either going to have the church stand up, count the cost, and say, you know what? We live in a post-Christian culture, and that means when we stand up, they're gonna be, we're going to be persecuted. But we're still going to stand up. We're still going to speak out. We're still going to be light in a dark culture, and we're willing to pay the price. That used to, when you stood up and you said you were a follower of Jesus in our country, it meant you were going to be blessed in some ways. You were going to get more business. You were going to – in many parts of our country, it was a good thing. It was, a, it was an asset. Well, in many parts of our country today, it is not an asset. And we have to either say we're going to count the cost and we're going to stand up and we're going to do that. And then I think we can see a Jesus movement again. I think our campuses are right for it. Students are feeling that hopelessness and hopelessness can lead you to hope. Mm -hmm. You see that in the nation of Israel. You can go all the way back to the Old Testament, right? Uh, Or we say we're not going to count the cost. We are going to hide. We are going to just say, you know, we can't rock the boat. We're just going to shrink into our own private lives. And then we're headed for some even very, very intense darkness and possible judgment. And I think a lot of it depends on how the church responds. Do we say, you know what, in the midst of it, we're going to stand up and be bold and face, those, face those, that persecution possibly and bring light to our nation, or are we going to shrink back? And I think that, that we have the opportunity for either uh, a real uh, a revival, awakening coming out of the hurt that we are experiencing, or we have an opportunity for um, <laughs> more degradation. And a lot of it is going to depend on how the believers respond.
1: When you look at it from uh, a senior point of view, and that's you know, Van and I are in that senior We
4: are there. <laughs> uh
1: it is just sickening. Hmm. It's just heartbreaking because with the methods that we have today to share the love of the Lord Jesus so quickly and so vastly mm-hmm. even with our Operation Christmas child, we're right in the middle of that. We're talking about you know, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. Uh with hearts to see that God's Word does make mm-hmm. a reality in a, in a person's life. When we look at it from our point of view, it is very, very scary and very threatening. Now, we know we've read the end of the book, but when we look at the difference that we see in the message that's being brought to our young people today, mm-hmm. whether in college or you know right. even in, in the business world, it is so striking to me that the media has run this war mm-hmm. from, a, from a, a balcony that is unshakable
3: at this point. Right, yeah.
1: I, I just would like your comment about yeah. how important, you know, the media is to us. Sure. And and what it is that we have allowed to happen in this regard regarding that because the the Twitter accounts this week, were filled...
3: Pretty nasty. ...with
1: assassinate Trump.
3: And other things, right? I mean, horrible stuff. Right. Yeah, I I think... um... You know, the media or any major element of society, government, media, business, you you go through it, education. But let's focus on the media. Uh, They have significant influence in their sphere. And in in case uh, today, media has an inordinate influence because of its ability to permeate fast. In seconds, you can tell a story to the whole world, which is amazing, you know, but also can be dangerous. And and I think we have to realize that no matter how powerful an institution is, it's still run by people. (laughs) It's still run by real people. They're just like you and me. They deal with real life, they have real friends, that live in a real place. And one of the things I learned in the last eight years, I spent six years of it in New York City uh, working among, and God sent me there uh, for the organization through Campus Renewal to work with the college campuses there. And I got to know a lot of the leaders in New York. One of the things I know is that a lot of those media that we, we consume and listen to, most all of them are located in this city called New York City. That's where they live. That's their real-life environment. Uh, these people were watching on TV from Fox News to CBS to whatever. Many, many of them live and immersed. They shop. They go to grocery shopping. All the things you think about real life, that's their context is New York City. And most of their friends, and they go to parties and hang out and do all these sorts of things, art museums, whatever. Whatever their thing is, they're doing that with their friends. Central Park. I'm just trying to make it real, you know, beyond this sort of ethereal thing we see on TV. And their friends don't believe like you and I do. They don't live in that context. They weren't raised in that context. They were raised in a very secular context. And so they have uh, a belief that's very genuine that they don't believe that people like you and I really exist across the nation very much. They can't Mm -hmm. imagine it because all of their friends don't vote the way we do, don't think the way we do, don't believe the way we do. Our majority of them, they don't have those people in their life. A lot of that comes, and I'm going to almost sound like a broken record, because... The church, uh, in many ways, over the last many decades, abdicated the metro areas, New York City being one of them. So you created this kind of environment. Now, what's interesting, though, and uh, the hope on the back of that is if you look at uh, guys like Redeemer Church in in Manhattan, uh, Mm -hmm. Tim Keller and others, they've done studies. My friend um, who works for... um, works for the Christianity Today and others have done studies to see uh, what's going on in Manhattan and since 9-11 more churches have been planted in New York City than the previous 100 years really? yeah absolutely they've done amazing studies on this one of my friends uh, Tony Carnes has literally gone block by block with a team, to map out every church in the city. And, and their estimation is that, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable the amount of work that's happened. And as a result, you're starting to see a shift in the culture of the city itself. You're starting to see more and more people become believers. You're starting to see it being more accepted in Wall Street and media. You're seeing people who are in media who are believers, uh, making Kelly being an example of it, even though we know that mm-hmm. she wasn't real fond of Trump. But the point is that you're seeing more and more of these people who are learning how to be a believer but yet be in these environments. Uh, Eric Metaxas is a wonderful example. A good friend of mine from New York City, he holds this thing called Socrates in the city, which is believers across the city uh, from all different aspects, from Wall Street to the media, who come together to discuss topics of the day, hear from key speakers, um, usually once a month. And these things have been going on in the city from the church and beyond. You've got churches like Hillsong, which I know has had some issues and there were some problems. But, you know, when they opened their doors, they had around-the-block lines. Um, you have other churches like Redeemer uh, that are just growing like weeds uh, it, these things are beginning to shift that city, and I think that begins to shift the perspective of these people, which then that pers- gets propelled out throughout. but it really does come down to that real life life on life influencing these influencers and and bringing the kingdom into that, or else we can just expect that uh, people are going to continue to have those biases. So we can complain about it and say the media is biased and whatever. It's true. We can observe that's true, but we need to do something about it. And one of the things we can do is to be there, be, be, be excellent in the media sphere. You know, instead of complaining about the bad media, why don't we uh, be excellent leaders in the sphere of media, right? Uh, and, and, and that that's really the best solution, much better than just saying, well, those bad media people are yeah. going to complain. You know, why don't we be those leaders? And I think that's really, really important. Um,
1: there. Well, you know, Ben and I had this vision uh, 20, will be 23 years ago in January. As a result of, uh, and I've done radio in Austin, as you know, for 32 years. My doctor said to me one day, I, I don't know anybody who's done anything for 32 years. <laughs> True. I, right, Van? No. I said, they don't have a husband like Ben to will pay the bills. Uh, when we begin to see, uh, In our life, we were just so focused inside the church and and the people around us were, Mm -hmm. like you said, the people, liberals are in New York City. Uh, God spoke to us uh, about getting out and doing something different. Mm -hmm. Marketplace evangelism. Yes. And so we have had a great uh, legacy of being able to do that in this city. And, uh, you know, I don't. I don't criticize the media for what they do. That's what they believe. That's the way the people are in New York City. It's because they don't have the love and the life of the Lord Jesus.
3: And because we've been silent, right? We haven't, you know, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you believe that there is a sacred world and a secular world, just understand that's not biblical. Jesus said, and God said, and the Bible says, not in one proof-texted verse, but in the whole Scripture, that the whole earth belongs to him. That's everything. There's nothing that's outside of his control, nothing outside of his redemption, nothing that's too far gone that we can't be uh, bringing God's light to. And so God's perspective is not a sacred versus secular, and you know, if you're in the public sphere you're in your work, you have to be quiet. No, that's what culture is telling you. What Jesus is telling you is, look, there have been believers in all kinds of circumstances throughout the entire history of the earth who are following him, and they've always faced some sort of opposition, and they've had to learn how to, how to bring God's light to those who oppose them. And we have to do that. We can't just shrink back and be quiet and only be public about our faith when we're in church. That's the problem. We, yeah. we can't buy into that lie. And you see it being played out in a constitutional debate, uh, freedom of religion versus separation from church and state and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. You see it being played out in the media. You see it being played out in a lot of places, education. But it's this basic thing to say, well, your faith is something that should be private. But honestly, that's not what God tells mm-hmm. us.
1: No, because we are life. That We are the life mm-hmm. example of the living Lord Jesus. can't
3: segregate that part of our life no, into some no. little corner. Can.
1: But Lord called us to go to the marketplace, and it has been a great joy for us. We are not able to do as much in our church as we've always done, but this is where God has called us.
2: With the and Good News Journal. Yes, sweetie. <laughs> You've talked all around it, but that's it. I'm, 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 I'm very <laughs> thankful <laughs> for you Wait. guys
3: doing that. It's been a tremendous witness to Austin, and just... You guys have been persistent in doing the Good News Journal for so long, and it has such a wide distribution. It's wonderful. I mean, I wish we have more you. people that would be persistent in the midst of opposition to press forward with the visions that God gives them. That's what we need.
1: Well, we, uh, we'll do it as long as we can, and, and we just pray the Lord will send somebody to pick up the wagon and, and steer it on after we can't pull the wagon anymore. But we, we, we want to come back uh, and talk, Jeremy, about what it is that we can do During this particular time. Because God has us here for a reason. And it's not just the season. It is for life. Stay with us. and We'll be talking again with Jeremy's story right after this.
4: In today's digital age, it's vital your business has what's called an online presence. If you don't, or what you do have is not very good, it's going to be difficult to grow your brand and your company's bottom line. Texas SEO's online marketing experts have the expertise and experience you need to increase sales and profits significantly. That means having an outstanding responsive website that is easy to navigate on all mobile devices as well as being visible on the first page of Google, Yahoo, and Bing. Texas SEO is a Christian-based online marketing company and a partner you can rely on to help navigate you through the ever-evolving digital landscape needs. To schedule your free consultation and digital analysis, please call Texas SEO at 1-888-988-9736 or visit texaseo.com or simply Google Christian SEO Company and you'll find us in the number one position. Hi, this is Steve Washburn, pastor
8: at First Baptist Church, Lugerville, We're the ones who just built that beautiful new 33,000-square-foot worship center there on Pecan Street, just as you town. Say, listen, if you're looking for a church home, I wish you'd come check us out. Lots of other folks sure are. We're one of the fastest-growing fellowships in the Austin area. We're trying our best to offer something for everyone. No matter what your situation in life, you'll find good friends here. I know I'm biased, but I believe we have some of the most uplifting worship services you'll find anywhere. Many of you are familiar with Tom Cotter and his praise band, By Design. we're fortunate to have them leading our modern worship experience at the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday mornings. That's our largest and fastest-growing group. But I'm also excited about something new we're trying in our 9 o'clock hour. Daniel Clue is one of the area's most gifted choral directors, and he has reinvented one of the only genuinely traditional worship services in the area for those of you who are boomers and long to return to the joyful worship of your youth. Listen, Google us at First Baptist Pflugerville, and come see us. Day after day, we are constantly hearing about
0: how bad everything is. Isn't it about time to hear about what's right and good? Isn't it time for some good news? If your answers are yes, then you need the Good News Journal. The Good News Journal is published by KTXW's own Evelyn Davidson. Good News Journal is an inspirational, patriotic journal published by monthly to bring you God's good news. The Good News Journal, two four nine sixty five thirty five or read it online at thegoodnewsjournal.net. Stay tuned for Love Talk with Evelyn and Van Davison. Love Talking Today with Jeremy Story about godly values, Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving.
1: Welcome back to Love Talk. We are in studio today with two of the sweetest guys I know. One is my long-time husband, Mr. Van Davison. We've been married sixty-five years. Is that right, Mr. D?
2: That's right.
1: That's right. How have you stood it all these years?
2: Oh, it's it's been easy. (laughs)
3: <laughs> That's amazing, 65 years. I know, wow. and
1: we have Jerry's story, uh Jeremy's story, who is uh, a father, a young father of seven children. And just, we look back on the day, I remember so well the day that I met you with the, what we call the Resurrection Week at that mm-hmm. time, when the first really big movement hit. The University of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was so special. I, yes, I saved my palm branch from that thing for uh, until it just all the leaves fell off of it. So it was an
0: amazing I always time.
2: told our, our boys uh, how to get along with you. I, I just told them, you know, when she's upset, stay away from her. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
2: Let her work it out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't engage.
4: <laughs> well,
1: that's funny because uh, there was a time when uh, when our David, our oldest son, uh he's he, is, he could run the world. He's he could run Mensa, and he uh, decided he would pull the motor out of his pickup truck and ben was out of town and came back. Oh man. <laughs> I had spent the summer. My dad lived, we had lived on a ranch before we moved to Austin. My dad, mom had a farm. Mm-hmm. And we had put up peas and okra and squash. We had the freezer full. Well, not knowing, they unplugged the freezer and plugged in some kind of instrument
3: that
1: lost a whole freezer of food.
3: We've had the same thing happen at our house before, yeah.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And, boy, they, they, as Ben said, they split, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've been talking today, Jeremy, about where we are in this nation and the difference between the liberal point of view, lifestyle, and the conservative, godly values that have made this nation so great. And as we move into Thanksgiving, uh, it is time for us to really wake up and see what God is showing us in this nation. We've talked some things today about how it is that, uh, you know, there's not a safe zone anymore for our children. Uh, There's not even a safe zone for the president, you know, with all Mm -hmm. these threats to assassinate him. And that is just unruly. It is just Mm -hmm. mind-blowing to think that we have come to this point that legally they could do it and get away with it.
3: Sure, out in the open.
1: But you know, the Lord is saying to us, uh, this is a, a current crisis. How is it that you are going to stand with me and we're going to uh, embrace the plan the Lord Jesus has to live? And that means that we've got to live generously. Mm-hmm. We've, we've got to be getting as well as just living. And so let's, let's look at where we are and what we need to do. Uh, in the next few minutes. What is it to choose the what is it God is showing you in all of this?
3: Well, you know, I want to tell you a story of hope, you know, in terms of that. If you go back to the um the American Revolution. <laughs> go back a little bit, you know.
1: I, I can't go back that far, but I've read about it. <laughs>
3: if you, <Not> quite. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, if you go back to the American Revolution and and the Second Great Awakening, which was an amazing awakening to the Lord and our nation. Uh and you look at what was going on. There was also the French Revolution going on. And um, the French Revolution was really influencing the college campuses. And we talk about these students that are so entitled that they're saying, I've got to take time off because I'm having election stress and all these things that are going on right now. Yale, a Yale professor recently, last week I heard, gave students a buy on the, uh, not having to take their finals or midterms because – he was concerned they might have post-election stress, right? So this is where we are. But in the, in the Second Great Awakening and at the time of the, the, the American Revolution, you had many students being influenced by the French Revolution, very different things. French Revolution was very nasty, uh, very anarchistic in a lot of ways, uh, not uh, in a similar way to the American Revolution. And, and that was influencing students, so this idea of freedom. Uh, it was reported on campuses at the time that students were doing all kinds of crazy things, very, just a handful of believers And one of the colleges, um, uh, students were literally meeting in the president's office, a handful of them to pray because if they met anywhere else, they were harassed to the point of of just not – of being threatened. So they were having to meet under the protection of the president himself, right? Mm. That's the state of our campuses, including Yale. And introduced into that environment was uh, an awakening that spread across our whole nation off campuses. Uh, Yale being the epicenter, right? Yale was Mm -hmm. in a bad shape. All the students were in bad shape. And God began to turn people to repentance, to turn students, which then spread across the nation. That second great awakening then spread into what later became the student volunteer movement, which sent 20,000 students overseas as missionaries and founded all of our missionary efforts. A lot of the, the, you see Christians in Korea today because of this, Christians in China today because of this. Uh, But it started out of a place of significant hopelessness. You know, and you talk about entitlement, you know, bad things going on. And God turned Yale into this epicenter of transformation, of God-centered transformation uh, from that place. And so I'm sort of encapsulating a lot of history, but to say that we've been down this road before, <laughs> you know, yeah. in, in terms of students being entitled, in terms of a generation looking like it could be going in a very bad direction. And God was able to get a hold of it. One of the things that happened, though, to get back to your question of what we can do, is a core group began to pray. So getting back to what we all here at this table, Van and you and I believe in, a core group stood up and said, we're going to pray, and we're going to fast, and we're going to seek the Lord, and we're going to ask him, and we're going to repent. And that was the beginning of the Second Great Awakening, with students in prayer. And and from that, it turned into mission and, and being able to speak to other people about Jesus. So I think one of the things we have to do is pray. We have to realize that we cannot Yes, we need to be aggressive, yes, we need to be uh, not aggressive in the sense of, of uh, aggressive in the way we 're seeing it on Twitter, but aggressive in the sense that we 're willing to speak our faith in the public sphere, but we don 't need to do it in our own strength that 's the problem,, yes. we just kind of get angry and say we 're going to do this and pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps that 's not god 's way, we need to be uh, bold, but 100% dependent upon God at the same time. So pray and seeking God together. If you're out there and you're wondering what you can do, gather with other people in your church and begin to pray. Don't just make it about the best music or the best worship or the best preacher. Pray because the power comes from God. And we seek him. So first pray. Then secondly, as we pray, we don't just stay in our enclaves to pray. But we listen to what God is saying and then we do what he says. Mm -hmm. And I imagine there are people out there right now that have heard the Lord say something to them. Uh, Whatever it may be, small or big. Uh, and speak to this person. Or it could be do something huge, like launch a paper like you guys Mm -hmm. did, but just didn't do it because they said, oh, that's too crazy. God didn't really say that. Problem is when we don't do those things, we don't follow the Lord's leadings as we pray, then we never see the victory that God wants. And we begin to believe, oh, maybe that wasn't God speaking. And then we believe, well, God doesn't really speak today. And we need to get back to prayer, hearing what God says, and then just wantonly obeying it. So I think that to me would be a a synopsis of something we can do right now. You
1: know, (laughs) When you think about it, um, the Lord has given us the pattern to pray, the Lord Jesus. Uh, And the first statement he makes is, hallowed be thy name. That's praise. Hallowed. You know, the Halloween people stole that from us, (laughs) Jerry. (laughs) True. True. How uh, it be thy name? You know, just calling the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes just say, Jesus. Uh, it's, it's not that we've got to spend, you know, 15 hours a day praying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We have got to have that living example of giving God room in our
3: life to work. Practicing the presence of God. And then when you are <laughs> engaged in culture like you guys have been and like I try to be, then the culture doesn't affect you. You affect the culture because you're constantly in worship. You're constantly recognizing. You're hallowing. You're lifting up God, and you're, you're, you're keeping him as, as preeminent in your mind so that when that, that negative aspect of culture comes across, you don't engage with it in the same way. You come against it in a different way, and that only comes through constant awareness of God. When I forget of God's nearness or when I begin to believe that things are because of my power, my strength, my ability – that's when I begin to respond in the wrong ways. But the way we can respond both forcefully but yet godly is when we recognize that God is near in the midst of us. It gives us boldness, and it gives us faith, and it gives us the ability to respond with power. And I think that's really important, absolutely important.
1: Well, you know, the the power that that we get does come uh, through the bridge that we call the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that Jesus said to those that followed him, every day take up your cross and follow me. Now, the cross is empty. It's like a bridge. It's from where we are to where he is.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that means we've got to go back to the price that he paid mm-hmm. for us to have life. And life in America uh, still is better probably than any place in the world. Yes. Unless you go to Switzerland. <laughs> you know, they got the money. Honey, (laughs) Uh, when you look at it from our perspective, we have great grace ahead of us, and the Lord says that it will never run out. Mm -hmm. You know, He said every morning, you know, put your bucket out. I said that earlier. Morning after morning, He will renew our strength, renew our grace. This last week was really a hard week for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I um, have a malady. Uh, that's uh, I've been living with for about three years. Had for surgery for it three times, and um, for a couple of days I couldn't read. You know, I just my eyes just didn't work, and so I was at that point of saying, "Lord, it's it's time for me to quit." And you know, Van does so much. He cooks. He shops. He does mm-hmm. things I can't do, and I was so down and discouraged that when I went to church on the last Sunday, and the pastor preached. He preached on quitting. Don't quit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't quit. So, didn't he, honey? And so when I left there, I said, okay, I'm not quitting, Lord. Mm-hmm. I am not quitting. I'm going to continue to do what I can do. I, you know, there is a, that is not possible without the cross.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Without the connection we have with Lord Jesus, there is no way that right. we can do those things that we've, we believe he's calling us to, except with his power. And power comes in praise. Psalm 100 says that. On your feet now, stand up and applaud God, for the password to heaven is praise. That's mm-hmm. out of the message. Mm-hmm. That's Dr. Eugene Peterson has said that. As we close today, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of nations that are listening to us worldwide. Mm-hmm. We want to say to them, there is hope for you, and there's hope in America, and that hope is in Jesus
3: Christ. That's right. Yeah. In the ultimate Jesus peace Christ. with God, right? I right. mean, there's people that people all over the world and in our country even have really are desiring that peace. Yes. Um, what they don't want is religion. What they do want is a relationship with God. Yes. And Jesus said, "Look, I'm not about religion. I'm about a pathway to have a relationship with God. I'm God reaching out to you." I think. The more we ditch religion and the more we pick up Jesus and the ability to have a relationship with God, the better we are. Yeah, well, well, We
2: we can pray to our Father and it not be in terms of religion. Mm-hmm. We can talk to him.
3: That's right. Well, you know,
1: we have had a good time today, Jeremy. Well, to thank you. Give us your contact information.
3: Uh, for the ministry campus mm-hmm. renewal. So, uh, you can get, you can check out about campus renewal on the web at www.campusrenewal.org and you can get all of our contact information there, campusrenewal.org. You can also message me via that website and anyone on our team across the nation. So go to campusrenewal.org and you can check us out on the web. And
1: you can check out Love Talk on the web at www.ndpaustin, Austin, number one and lovetalknetwork.net. And we do want to thank you, Jeremy, for being with us today. And if you if you need someone to talk to, call us on the love line, 512-249-6535. And we just pray that you'll have a wonderful week as you experience the love and the peace and the joy that comes from living within the, the realm of God's love in the person of Jesus Christ. Have a wonderful week.